And in this uh, particular series, we're talking about um, the subject, of course, of this world. And we identified um, uh, the Greek word for world as cosmos. And uh, it's actually the world system uh, that is opposed to God. Okay? And uh, we have shared um, uh, 1 John 2.16, which says, For all that is in the world, and that's the word world, uh, where we get cosmos. And it actually says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And uh, so we know that there is a world system uh, that is actually adamantly opposed to God. And uh, so, so we want to be mindful of this. We've talked about that. And uh, then in 1 John uh, 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 15 uh, through 17, says, Love not the world, again, that's cosmos, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and I just said that, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abides forever." Uh, so obviously, um, we are um, in that category of doing the will of God. Therefore, we abide forever. And what you do in that is going to have everlasting results, not just temporary results. Praise God. Amen. James 4.4, 4, we've read, it says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world, there's cosmos again, is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Praise God. Everybody say, I'm not a friend of the world. Yeah. And so there are uh, folks that are conflicted. They think, well, you know, you should have people that you befriend and, and that are not saved and that kind of thing. Yes, we are to be a, a light to the world. There is no doubt. Uh, we are the light of the world, in fact. And, and uh, so we are supposed to be in uh, that place where we can shine to those people that are still in darkness. Uh, so again, we are in it, but we are not of it. This is not my home. Uh, we are actually, the Bible says, we are aliens. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, you don't look like an alien. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, so, so sometimes we get it all mixed up. We think, well, we, we need to be relevant to them. We need to, you know, we need to have a certain relevancy to them. And, and certainly, uh, you know, I'm, I believe we should should dress and, 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 and communicate in a fashion and form that people can understand, but I'm not trying to pattern myself after them. I'm not trying to do what they do so they will like me. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm not just afraid of them, uh, you know, disliking me. I'm not trying to make them not like me. Believe me, if you are a light to this world, it will happen. They will have, uh, somebody will have a problem with you as your little light shines, I promise. And, and people will have a difficult time uh, with your uh, relationship with Jesus Christ. And they will say you're religious. They'll say these things and that things. But listen, those things shouldn't move us. And we don't need to respond negatively in, in, a, in a bad way because they're acting that way. They're in the world. They're in darkness. That's how they act. We are to walk in love regardless and be consistently in line with the Father, not this world. Do you understand? 
And so, so we're talking about being in it and, and not of it, kind of give a perspective. A lot of times people are torn. They don't know how to act and what to do. Um, but for sure, we are to walk in the light of God's word, and we are to honor God's word and obey God's word in all these things. Praise God. Um, I feel like I should read the, the vine's uh, definition of cosmos one more time. Cosmos in these two references that I just gave, the present condition of human affairs in alienation from and opposition to God. Isn't that simple? Uh, it is a love of this world system which is under the control of Satan, the God of this world. So that is not what we want to be, right? I just go ahead and humor me, right? Amen. Thank you very much. Praise the Lord. And uh, so, so we talked about, and I'm going to put back up my little graph chart thing to help us see it. But in Hebrews 4.15, uh, we see the Apostle Paul, uh, at least most people believe Paul wrote Hebrews, uh, says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So here we have um, the Apostle Paul talking about Christ and different points of which he was tempted. And uh, so, so when you combine these scriptures um, with, uh, if you put them all together, you can see something from them. Uh, we know from uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 uh, that man is a spirit, he has a soul, and lives in a body. We know that we are a three-part being. Spirit is, is what we are. Uh, soul is what we have. It is our mind, will, and emotions. The word translated soul in the New Testament uh, is suke, where we get the word psychiatrist from. Okay, so oftentimes people think, you know, uh, spirit and soul, they're the same thing. You know, that, but really, honestly, biblically speaking, uh, they are not. Okay, and uh, in order uh, to divide the difference between the two, because they are so intertwined, it takes the word of God to do that. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. If I had a dry erase board, I would draw a line uh, down the middle. I would draw a line down the middle, and I would do this at the top, and I would put uh, soul and spirit. In other words, the Word of God is the line down the middle, dividing, and it would say soul here, spirit here. Do you all with me? Okay, so you see the line down the middle? Soul, spirit, joints. Morrow. Incidentally, morrow is inside your bone. It creates the blood. It's the life source. Y'all with me? Spirit, morrow, life source, right? Got soul, spirit. Joints, what is a joint? It's the go-between. What is it, the go-between? What is it between? It is between your spirit and your body. It is the go-between. So we got soul, spirit, joints, morrow, and is a discerner between the thoughts, line between, and the intents of the heart. So it takes God's word to divide the difference because people think they're being led by the spirit and they're really being led by their own mental assent or their own desires. I love him. It's the Lord. God told me he's my husband. So we get all this messed up. We get up in our soul, and we, our soul wants stuff so bad. Our right emotions are powerful, you know. That's why uh, we should put off some things until we put a ring on it. Because that takes it to a whole nother level. And I'm just not going to go there in Jesus' name. But anyhow, 
Does, it, does everybody understand then that, that uh, so soul, spirit, joints, marrow, discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So this, this is your mind, will, and emotion side. This is all spirit side. Word of God in between, dividing the difference. So we, we, we are able, therefore, then to discern what is uh, our, our being led by the Holy Spirit or are we being led by emotion uh, when God's word comes to divide the difference. You understand? And uh, so, so, so man is a spirit. He has a soul, and we live in a body. This is simply our, our earth suit, okay? Uh, one day you throw that thing aside, and you get a glorified one. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Ha-ha. I want one with hair on it. <laughs> Just voting. <laughs> we come on those horses with Jesus, man. I'm going to have this long, flowing white hair, baby. Woo! <laughs> in fact, I'm going to request a Harley, because I don't trust a horse, you know? <laughs> Who's the guy on the Harley? <laughs> oh, that's Pastor Andy. <laughs> anyway, so I don't know why I go there. But anyhow, so, so spirit, soul, and body. So that's what we are. Isn't that right? So when we see this, when we actually see, um, take this to the garden and see what happened to Eve, uh, we notice uh, that the attacks that happened to her um, were threefold. And then we go forward, and the same Satan who attacked Eve in the garden, we go forward in time when Jesus came to fix what Adam did to us, that Satan came and attacked Jesus and tried to tempt Jesus. And Jesus beat him on all three of those arenas that Eve so miserably failed at. I really actually should say Adam because he, even though Eve did all the talking, well, that's unusual. Eve did all the talking. <laughs> the dude stood there and sold humanity out into sin, and he is the responsible party. Here's a side thought, a very interesting side thought, is that Eve uh, actually died spiritually because she sinned by taking. What if Adam didn't? What if Adam, could he have been her redeemer, being sinless? He was not supposed to be uh, the one to sell us out. He was supposed to be the protector. I give you authority over all the work of my hands. He said, dominate, dominate. But instead, he just stared at Eve, I guess. She's gorgeous. So distracted. <laughs> Sold all of humanity out into sin. And so, so this conversation that Eve had with Satan is really very similar to what Jesus had in his experience and his attack. And uh, so, so we see actually um, these uh, dynamics. If you guys could put that up on the screen for me, the chart again. So we see that man defined is um, uh, actually, ooh, can you guys see that? Oh, you can see it. Good. Okay. So man defined, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. He says, I pray uh, God will uh, preserve, make, preserve you holy, that your whole spirit, soul, and body will be preserved blameless into the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see the definition, uh, spirit, soul, and body, the separation. Uh, Genesis uh, 3.6, we see the temptation of Eve. And then she saw, even though, listen, even though God said, everybody say God said. God said. So God said, don't eat of it. Isn't that right? Simple. On the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. That's all the information they needed, right? In fact, you should just not even go around the thing in case something fell into your mouth when you walked by. I would stay away from the tree. 
But no, they got to hang out. They got to sniff it, look at it, right? Satan comes in. Knowing this, Satan comes in, and rather than Adam driving his head into the ground, they have a conversation. And that conversation leads to temptation, and she begins to leave God's word, simplicity of the word, and go to reason. Go to, oh, look, it's good for food. That's physical. Isn't that right? Then she saw, and it goes to emotional, your soul. She saw, ooh, and it begins to work in your mind. And then the big clincher, I want to be wise like God. Pride. Pride affects your spirit. Y'all with me? So we have body, soul, and spirit involved. Satan attacked. They concurred, and she yielded and literally sold all of humanity out into sin. How often do we leave God's word and we resort to reason defying our provision, protection, and all that God has supplied because we decide to go with reason instead of the simple word of God that says, by his stripes, you are healed. Oh, but you see my family, I got diabetes running in my family. And you see that Uncle Joe, he died of a heart attack. And you know, we just got a whole bunch of fat people in my family. So that's why, you know, anyway, so, so we start reasoning instead of walking in the light and power of God's word. Because when you side with reason, you side against. Y'all with me? I got real quiet when I said that. Somebody talk to me here this morning. Praise God. Somebody say amen. amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, so we start uh, to defy reasoning when we start saying to our body that's riddled with who knows what, and we say, by his stripes, I am healed. He sent his word, and it healed them. I'm free from the curse. For it is written, cursed is anyone that hangs on a tree. Praise God. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I don't care what I feel or see. I am free. Hallelujah. So that's what Jesus did. We move the clock forward. And uh, we see actually um, in Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11, uh, when Satan tempted him to turn the stones into bread. Well, that's physical. Isn't that right? trying to draw him in, trying to bring him in. He said, you know what? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. I like to say, man shall not live by whole wheat. Because I take vitamins, but I don't trust in vitamins. I eat, I eat well. I try to eat well, do right. But my trust is in the Lord. You understand? I'm going to do whatever I know to do. I'm going to live for God, but I know people that are, are better athletes than me, eat better than I do, and have had cancer, riddle their bodies. So there's got to be more to it than just eating vitamins and whole wheat bread, or no meat, or, you know, we can go through a whole list of things, you know, I'm gluten-free, you know, that's great, good for you. <laughs> and you do whatever you got to do, but you better trust God's word above all those things. My trust is in the Lord. 
Praise the Lord. I know that there are, there are youth. I'm just surprised they're still alive. They have eaten pizza and wings and Fruit Loops their whole life. <laughs> and bacon. I'm like, really? That's all you'll eat? Yeah, that's all I want, man. I'm like, you are a walking miracle. <laughs> and they're just healthy looking. You're like, dang, I don't understand this. It's amazing. You have people that are in their 80s and and they weigh 400 pounds, and they, they just look young as could be, look like they're 50 years old. I'm thinking there's something wrong, and I find out there's something about their heart is the difference. They, they are not afraid, and they just walk in love. They don't talk mess. They don't talk about people. They just love everybody, and somehow that has some sustaining power that's greater than whole wheat bread or eating lettuce. And so we have to stop siding with reason and stay stronger with God's word and let that be the motivational power. Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of my father. Woo! Man, what kind of meat is that? Father will doing meat. That's what makes my feet hit the floor. And it has some kind of sustaining. It reaches out from the spirit realm into the natural realm, affecting your whole being. Hallelujah. Ha, ha, ha. So the devil tells you this thing, that thing. He tries to bring, paint these pictures for you and say, this is the way it's going to be. No, 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 no. This is the way it's going to be. This is the way it is. By his stripes, I am healed. New Testament, I was healed. If I was healed, I is healed. Right? I am. This is the condition. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Christ the healer, he calls sickness and disease lying vanities. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's arguing with the truth of God's word. And you understand God's word will be here when everything else is gone. So God's word was before this and it will be after this. All this will be burned with fervent heat. The word of the Lord shall endure forever. So we're standing on something bigger. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 4, he says, turn these stones into bread. Jesus hits him with the word. He says to him, throw yourself down. Angels will pick you up. He says, you shall not tempt the Lord. He hits him with the word, quotes the word. Isn't that right? He says, I give you all these kingdoms. He showed him all the kingdoms. And he said, thou shalt worship the Lord God only. He kept hitting him with the word. Turn to your neighbor and say, hit him with the word. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And then in uh, Hebrews, the apostle Paul um, talked about the all points that Jesus was tempted in. That was these three points. In all points, Jesus was tempted without sin. So when they come dancing across your plate, when they come across you and they come at you, we can also not give in and sin. Uh, we oftentimes think sin, well, that's basically smoking weed and, and having uh, sex outside of marriage. That's, that's sin. No, uh, anything not done in faith is, guess what? Sin. And so, so when the enemy comes and tries to pull you outside of faith, we need to put the word on him. Pull you outside of faith into the flesh, pulled you outside of the faith into your reasoning, into your soul, unrenewed mind. We put the word on him. 
Yeah, that's, that's great. That's great. That's great. It looks kind of rough right now. But you just did not realize how powerful God's word is, Mr. Satan. How powerful big my God is. I, I remember... I remember the giant incident and how God used a child to whoop your giant. I remember the fire incident, how there was a fourth man in the fire and they didn't even smell like smoke. I remember the lion's den. I remember... I remember how Jesus Christ the righteous got in your backyard and how he conquered hell and death and the grave on my behalf. Do we need to go on with this conversation? You still want to talk about rocks and throwing me off of something? Do you still want me to have your kingdoms? Because one day I will. But it won't be because you gave it to me because I took it. Because Jesus, he already conquered your behind. And he sat down and he's waiting for me to do that. And so I don't have to bow to you because I bowed to him. And one day, you're going to walk yourself right down on into that place where you'll spend eternity. This is the word of the living God. This is who I am in him. This is what we are. And this is what Jesus restored to us so that we can put it on him when he comes around. You'll notice that when Jesus did that, it says that he left for a season. He had to go, man, he had to go lick his wounds. He had to go get braces. And Jesus put the word on him. He said, I'm going to have to figure out a different strategy. and refigure this thing out. And I know what that was, too, because that's when he, he nailed him to the cross. And he thought, we've got the Christ. Satan left him for a season. But he came back when he was on the cross. And Jesus is hanging on the cross, bleeding, shoulders out of joint, nails through his hands and feet, bleeding all of his flesh is open. His bones are exposed. The Old Testament says that all of his bones were exposed. And Satan celebrating. Darkness came, swirling darkness. You can imagine all of hell. Yes, they're celebrating. We've got the Christ. And he was drugged down into that place to suffer the full penalty of your sins and mine. And they're just celebrating, torturing him, not knowing they were torturing him for us. And at the right moment when all of our sins were paid, at that second, boom, life goes into Christ. An explosion that says that he stripped off principalities and powers, made a show of them openly triumphing over them through the cross. And it says of that moment, it says if Satan would have known, if he just would have known, he would not have messed with Jesus. He'd let him be, live a good old age. Because what he didn't know was he, his, what he did to Christ was our redemption. And it was for us. So that now when that, that dude comes around, we know. It's like, I know who you are. You know, oftentimes demons will say stuff like, we know who you are. You need to respond with, so? You should. Now shut your mouth. And Jesus said that. Shut up. Come out. Can we go with the pigs? Whatever. You know, you know all the pigs go in the water, you know. It's like, sheesh. Jesus had no problem dealing demons. 
And we should have no problems doing the right thing during those times. Eve, Eve, Adam and Eve, they, they blew it. Jesus showed us how to do it. And then he went to the cross so that we could do it. And so we can overcome this world. In uh, 1 John 2.16, I've said, so we have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So those dynamics, those three areas is how Satan comes at us. And we need to be, um, as the scriptures say, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I would like to think that after hearing what you've heard this morning, that you are not one of them. I said you are not one of them that you actually have been enlightened. You actually are aware that Satan cannot trick you anymore and pull you into the flesh, pull you into your unrenewed mind, draw you into a place of pride so that you would fall. Pride comes before a fall, a haughty spirit before destruction. Pride affects your spirit. And so God would have you to walk soberly. God would have you to walk uh, in a way that, that the enemy cannot easily trick you and pull you down. As wise and as intelligent you are, and, and you may be smarter than a whole lot of folk, but listen, unless you get b Bible, Bible wits, <laughs> Bible wisdom, the enemy will eat your lunch. You might be a, a NASA rocket scientist. It don't matter if the devil comes after you, you don't have the right weapons. But if you'll get a hold of the word, it doesn't matter what your GPA is. The word, you know, Satan doesn't care what your GPA is, by the way, you know, or how many degrees you have, or if you're a doctor. Thank God that you were able to get a doctorate, master's, bachelor's, associates. You graduated high school. Thank you. We are thankful that God blessed you with the wits to do so. But unless you get a hold of God's word, you are not going to win this battle. Because you're going to have to get a hold of the word when the enemy comes around and starts to mess with your life, mess with your family, mess with your marriage, mess with your kids. Glory to God. Turn to your neighbor again and say, put the word on it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So we see body, soul, spirit. We see sensual, superficial, and social status, which again is pride. And uh, so last week, I think I got to uh, the sensuality part. Didn't I get number one? Who was here last week? Praise the Lord. Yes. Oh, good. Okay. Thank you. So I, was, I had mentioned to you that uh, having to do with your body is sensual, um, which uh, Galatians uh, 5, 16 through 21 talks about the works of the flesh. We know that those are aspects of sensual. Really quick, uh, sensuality is fondness for or indulgence in sensual pleasures, lewd, lustful, preoccupation with bodily pleasures, physical gratification uncontrolled fleshly desires, okay? I always have to qualify. Obviously, God gave us the desire to eat. How many are thankful for eating? Glory to God. Woo-woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. One of those real gray areas for Christians, you know what I'm saying? And so we are thankful that we eat and have a desire to eat because it sustains us physically, right? But then there's something called gluttony, right? Okay, so that is the excess of that. How about sex? How many knows that sex is wrong and it's from hell? Oh, good. I'm in the right church. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you. You were listening. Great. I was going to have to have you say it again. We don't want to go there. But anyhow, so, so we know that that is a gift from God. It has a biblical uh, borders. The biblical borders for that activity that God gave is certainly a 
creative, amazing gift from heaven. God gave it. It's from him. It's not evil. Only for the manifestation within the covenant of marriage between a man, guess what, and a woman. He made them male and female. He created them. Isn't that right? Amen. And so those things were, okay. So outside of that, however, Satan perverts and tries to get us out. That is sensual. Isn't that right? Those things um, have to do with trying to destroy us. We don't have to go there. We don't have to be drawn out into that. And we can live our lives free from those controlling forces that take our body and make us do things, whether it be smoke weed, cigarettes, drink alcohol, tell you're stupid, or you name it, that we can be free from it and live free from it. Because why? Because that's what God does in us. When I got saved, I quit doing all those things. And I was so grateful. I didn't know that some of them were wrong. Holy Spirit talked to me about them later. He's very gentle. Holy Spirit will help you do the right things. Y'all with me? Christians, listen. Pray for the people that get saved. Don't, don't just come up on them and tell them, you need to look like us. They'll be like, run out the church. and scream it, you know. No, you need to to meet Jesus. Let me talk to you about Jesus. If you just want to look like him, you'll be good. If you just want to act like him, you'll be good. And so he begins to deal with our hearts. He begins to change us that way. And those outside things begin to fall off. Because there's a lot of people that look really clean on the outside. You know what Jesus said to some of them? He said, oh, you guys are like whitewash sepulchers. All clean and pretty on the outside, but on the inside, dead bones. So listen, uh, we thank God that, listen, I'm going to try and help explain this. I hope I don't get stuck here. But anyhow, so, so when you get born again, it changes, and your form and how you act changes. But never can form and act replace the change. The change, the life that's on the inside of you was meant to be lived and acted upon. But you can't just act a certain way and think that's enough. Your heart will always have to maintain that relationship. It has to be a living thing that's taking place that flows out into the form or action. In other words, faith without works is dead. Faith without corresponding actions is dead and lifeless for it stands alone. But just works alone cannot save us. Just looking saved isn't enough. Y'all with me? And, and if you just keep going through the motions in your life, even though you got saved, you can't just go through the motions. You have to maintain a living thing with God. And it affects your living. It affects your, your body. It affects your mind and how you think and every part of your being. And it keeps you in check if you keep close with him and walk with him. And you'll treat your spouse like you're supposed to treat them. But if we're just religious, it becomes very dull and very dead. It's something that has to be maintained. That was not in my notes. That was just, you know, in case somebody thought they might want to know that. It is, it, is a, it is a danger for all of us. I just want you to know that. No matter what your position is, pastor, deacon, you know, usher, prayer room worker, it is a, an ongoing responsibility for us to maintain a living relationship with God. That is the difference of being religious or having a relationship with God. I was religious. I was raised Catholic. I saw the form. I saw it, and there was some 
people there, I really believe, that had a relationship with Jesus. I'm not throwing stones, you understand? But there were so many that just went through the motions. And listen, I would have gone to hell going through those motions. Altar boy, the whole nine yards. I did all the, I went through all the forms, all of, checked off all the things. But I never knew Jesus. I never received Christ as my Lord and Savior. I wasn't born again. And so therefore, when challenge came, when the tempter came, I went right out headlong into all of that mess until I met Jesus and was born again. And all that mess fell off. And it changed how I lived, how I thought, how I think. Nobody told me I, I should stop smoking weed. I just knew. I, nobody told me I should stop drinking. I just, I just knew inside my heart. And no, nobody told me you shouldn't have sex with women anymore because you're not married to them. I just knew. And they, well, duh. Really? It's not duh in many churches. Okay, see? Look what happened. But you live and walk from here. And if we'll point everybody to him, if we'll point them to him, everything, the whole church looks different. Because we're always, always thinking of how he would have us to treat each other and love each other. And I would never defile my sister when I really have his best interest and her best interest in mind. Y'all with me? I'm going to go back to the book and what it says. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, let's talk about superficiality now. So the first one was sensual, meaning your body. The second is your soul, mind, will, and emotions, superficiality. It means being concerned with and understanding only the easily understood, apparent or obvious, not profound, of or being on the surface, shallow. It includes the sensational, spectacular, shortcuts to fame and popularity. People seek the spectacular and miss the supernatural, says Brother Hagin. In uh, the Apostle Paul talking about this level of Christians, the superficial Christian, in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through 14, it says, Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. For everyone that seek, seeketh, or useth milk, rather, is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are full of age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And uh, so Paul is talking about by use. What is it? By using the word of God, by acting on the word of God, by living the word of God, we become grown, we become strong, and we no longer require milk because we are um, aware of what you do when the enemy comes. We know how to act on the word. We know how to execute the word, and we live in faith. Y'all with me? And so we're not just living in some religious mindset of, 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 uh, that is not based on God's word. Uh, sometimes we come up with scenarios for Christianity that are just not biblical. The fact that I uh, c- 
come to this address every week. That's important for us to be in church, uh, but it's not the end. It's just the beginning. It's from this platform that we get built up and strengthened so that we can walk out and look for Satan when he comes around. It's like, look for him, and not just for ourselves, but for others. Like, look at you, punk, get off of them, you know, and uh, begin to speak the word, not just for ourselves, but other people. We are actually now skilled, and we are grown because of use of the word of God. And we're not just coming to church. Well, I sure hope God just has mercy on me. I just hope, I just hope, I just hope everything works out. Because, you know, he knows, he knows I come to church every week. Gosh, he should be doing this for me, right? Well, that's not what the Bible says. <laughs> you need more than that. In fact, we have a responsibility not just for ourselves, but we have a responsibility to the world. And if we're going to let our, our light shine, that means that when people come and they talk to us, we don't just resort or, or digress into some human type of interaction that when they talk about, you know, this is going on in my life, that's going on in my life, that we go, oh, man, that's so sad. You know, I'm going to get back to work here. Instead, we go, let me get a hold of your hand and command some things to change in your life. Hold still. Hey, could you come over here? Because she's about to fall out under the power of God. Could you catch her? Forget it. I'm just going to let her hit the chair. Father, in Jesus' name. We just become these, these vessels of life and power and honor. Instead of babes who need milk, we are meat eaters. By reason of use. Praise God. And people just say, I, I got this, I keep having this, I got, you know what? I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm going to lay hands on you. Well, Pastor, isn't it embarrassing if they don't get healed? Not as embarrassing of not doing nothing. When we stand before the Father. And what did you do with my son? Well, I had some conversations. Yeah, but none of them had my son in them. Oh, well, I thought I was a light. No, a light would mean that you were shining and I know you brush your teeth, but that's not what I was talking about. <laughs> it's us taking the word and using it, not just for ourselves. Yes, for ourselves, but for others as well. Yeah. Glory to God. And people end up coming to you. You become this, this resource, an oasis in the midst of your place of, of employment or, or your school or wherever you may be. Go to the grocery store. People look for you because there's something different about you, and they know it. And I'm going to talk to them about him. Amen. Glory to God. I've prayed with cashiers right over the cash. Everybody listening, I know I'm preaching to everybody who can hear me. I do at the gym. I do at the gym. I'll, I'll speak loud. I might be talking to one specifically, but I'm talking to everybody who can hear me. And I've had people come over and say, praise God, brother. Good job. I'm like, whatever. What are you doing? I mean, this whole gym, this whole gym needs Jesus. Male, female, they all need Jesus. And so I'm, I am there to, to, to maintain a certain resemblance, you know, of fitness, you know, to be honest. And I, it take, I, I try to get in and get out. But there is one thing that I will stop it all for, and that's for the gospel. And I'll share. And the, and the guys who work out with me know they'll just keep going. They'll just leave me there prayed with so many people to come to Christ. But see, I am not special. You are supposed to do the same thing. 
And I, I do this in front of the guys who work out with me, and now they do it. And that's what we need to do, is duplicate ourselves and everyone around us. And say, this is what we are to do. And they say, oh, man, I got this thing going on in my knee or my back. I'm like, put my hands on them. Father God, in Jesus' name, I command them to be healed in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. And then I'll ask, do you know Jesus? It's an open door. Healing is the children's bread, but it's also the dinner bell. <laughs> People will come. Praise God. I'm sorry. I'm over. And uh, so, hallelujah to Jesus. God is so good. Hallelujah. So we don't want to live a superficial life. We don't want to live in our unrenewed mind. We need to live in our renewed mind supernaturally, praise God, and function from a place of power and dominion over all the works of darkness. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, in Jesus